Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the big show today. You might not know this if you only listen to the free Tuesday and Thursday shows, but you're missing one of the most exciting 90 minutes of the week, our after party podcast with me and Kimberly Johnson every damn Friday. That's tomorrow, by the way. Go to bobseskashow.com and sign up to hear the after party while supporting our completely independent podcast for just 10 bucks a month. Not only do you get lots of outrageous conversations about sex, drugs, politics, and rock and roll, but you also get the post-mortem shows for no extra charge, as well as access to our our community blog where you can post your own articles. So go right now to bobseskashow.com or patreon.com slash show and subscribe. Thank you in advance. And now let the cartoons begin. Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters. Relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up, never surrender. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. The countdown will begin this Saturday afternoon at 2, and again Sunday afternoon at 2, right here on WDHP-FM, your favorite music radio. Oh, fuck it. That was right, you're right. Bullshit. Your favorite music, no, your favorite music radio. FM, your favorite music radio. That's the way it's got to be read. Let's do it again. <clears throat> You're listening to American Top 40 on QT, WQTW, Latrobe. It's getting set for Westmoreland County. What? Latrobe, getting set for Westmoreland County. Getting it set. The fuck does that mean? All right. The countdown will begin this Saturday afternoon at 1, right here where you're feeling the... Sp- God Bob Seska! Today's Rachel Maddow Show Award for Headline Excellence goes to Bob Seska. The Bob Seska Show. <laughs> oh, man, yet more Casey Kasem. I bet you didn't know he was such a foul-mouthed blue bastard, did you? From our nation's capital, it is Thursday, June 6, 2019, and this is the Bob Seska Show presented by BubbleGenius.com. It's the greatest goddamn soap ever. Hello, my name is Bob. What's happening? What's up? Hello, Bob. Hi, day 868 of the Trump crisis, day 30 of the constitutional crisis, 515 days until the 2020 presidential election. And we have a bit of a new and different thing today. Normally, we would uh, take this moment to uh, bring out the goth ninjas, but we have... We have one goth ninja, and and filling the uh, filling the seat for the other goth ninja, the T-Rex-sized goth ninja, who is uh, on vacation in Florida right now. Thank you, Florida. Thank you, Florida. Yeah, yeah. We have the great Rocky Mountain Mike and Jody Hamilton, of course. Hey, hey, both of you. Hello. Hello. I'm getting sick of coming in from an up-tempo intro <laughs> into a goddamn dog dedication. The dead dog. 
That's right. You know, I, I keep getting requests for more Casey Kasem clips, and I'm running out of them. That is our third Casey Kasem clip. Everyone loves these Casey Kasem clips. Otherwise, I wouldn't be playing so many of them on the show. But that is one of my... The Bob Seska Show is heard on great radio stations like WQXI Atlanta. Yeah, that's one of my favorites because the guy, you can tell the guy in the control booth is going, hey, wait, wait, don't do it again. We're great. We're good. And he's like, bullshit. <laughs> who knows you? Who knew he was such a cranky son of a bitch, huh? The late Casey Kasem. What, what was the deal with him? He ended up not getting buried for like a year or yeah, something. They fought over his body, you know. Wow, yeah, they did. There was Brown awful thing. shit that went on with him. I feel bad for his corpse. Yeah, so do I. God damn it. And what I happened to the have picture a band called Casey Kasem's corpse? <laughs> <laughs> what happened to the pictures I was supposed to see? Is Don on the phone? <laughs> Oh, man. So, uh, of course, Jody Hamilton is from the From the Bunker podcast. That's on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network, sexyliberal.com. Also, from-the-bunker.com. Rocky Mountain Mike is also heard on the Stephanie Miller Show. And maybe a podcast soon? Is that what's in the offing, Mike? I'm trying. I'm, <laughs> uh, it's, I, I've been trying to do this for over a year. But, uh, you know, having a day job and everything else that's going on, it's really been hard to plan for. But now I am... Retiring. I'm leaving the, um, you know, my day job is I've been in IT for 32 years. Yeah. I just gave my notice to retire today, mm -hmm. like an hour ago. Wow. So wow. My, my, wow. I, I, have, I have a give a shit burn down chart. <laughs> so your, your first order of business, your first act as a retiree is to be on this show. See, that's, uh, I feel yes. honored by yes. that. That's outstanding. I, I'm right? honored. I mean, what? This is the best day ever. Your first act is to work for free for Bob. <laughs> That's right. See, well, you're retired, I'm so... Get, I'm, I'm trying to ease into poverty. Um, okay, well, let's dive into uh, all the shit that's going down right now. Um, first of all, as you might have heard, Donald Trump was late, late for the D-Day ceremonies this oh, morning. Of course he was. Because, you know why? Because he was whining to fucking Laura Ingram, for God's sake. Laura Ingram and had to sit there and listen to his whining. Stop whining. While he's doing, uh, you know, he's on Fox News Channel, and he should have been at the D-Day uh, commemoration. Um, the D-Day ceremonies can wait because Donald has to talk to uh, Laura Ingram, right? Uh, meanwhile, uh, Morning Mika and Morning Joe, speaking of D-Day, praised Trump's D-Day speech this morning. Uh, Mika, in fact, said uh, it measured up. See, we're still doing this shit with uh, he's finally presidential now. Um, she said his speech measured up to the moment and really was a true salute to the unity of the day. Barf. Barf. I'm yeah, sorry. I mean, yeah, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Okay. I mean, it's the 75th anniversary of D-Day and he is the president. And so you have to walk that fine line of of, you know, recognizing the moment and, uh, you know, okay, he's the president and, you know, maybe the speech was good, uh, but then it needs, to, I don't know how you do that. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how you can commemorate the moment and, and at the same time say the guy's an ass clown. Well, did you guys actually listen to, cause I didn't watch the speech. I heard like excerpts of it when he reads it, like, Imagine an actual person that can read. Yeah, right. <laughs> Versus like, I am pronouncing words now and I don't understand the meaning. Because mm -hmm. like he would say something and it should be a profound statement and it'd be like, <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's just it. He doesn't know how to read a speech. And so right. the thing is, um, just because he gets up and delivers a speech without choking on his own vomit, 
doesn't necessarily make for a good speech. And so I, I'm wondering, was the speech genuinely good, or is this the bigotry of low expectations, or whatever the you know whatever the George W. Bush uh, line was? Are we giving him too much latitude, or was it genuinely good? And from what I heard, it sounded like a standard speech. It sounded like generic D-Day commemoration speech. I didn't hear the speech, and I didn't hear Scarborough, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say whatever Scarborough did was probably too much praise. Yes, yes. from what I've heard. Right, well, and then uh, Chris Jansing reported, Joe Scarborough said uh, the president's speech at Normandy was the strongest of his presidency with words of strong support for allies. Uh, And then Morning Joe added, I hope he means it. Which, you know, I don't think he means, I don't think he was even paying attention to the words he was saying. Again, the words themselves, this was no significant milestone kind of historic speech. This was not Reagan's speech at the commemoration that he delivered a speech at in the, in the middle 1980s. This was something that was pretty, uh, you know, kind of off the shelf, pretty generic. And, and the fact that he was delivering it makes it even less remarkable because of, as Jody was saying, his uh, inability to actually deliver speeches. And, uh, you know, because, you know, a part of him is going, boy, I wish I could go off on the fake news right now. I wish I could point out all those people in the back. And he, mm-hmm. he wishes he could do all of his usual bits. Yeah, he wishes it were a rally for him. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, and, but here's the, and here's the thing about being president. I mean, almost anything you look at that a president does can be made political. Yeah. And, of course, he turns it up to 11. Mm-hmm. And this is just one of those things. And the 4th of July thing is like that. And I think another good example, and I know I'm a, kind of a space geek, but uh, what NASA is doing right now is a good example because and I guarantee you that there are uh, that politically NASA is probably leans a little to the left. Mm-hmm. And uh, and yet, uh, because Pence and Trump, uh, when Trump discovered that we weren't going to the moon like next year, uh, they made it a big deal. Like we have to get to the moon by magic date 2024, yeah. which happens to be the the year that that Pence would likely be, you know, uh, the nominee for president <laughs> from the Republican side. Right. And NASA is just they're jumping all over this, and they're like, yeah, because. They're looking at this infusion of money that they've been wanting for so long to do this thing and be great again, you know, mm-hmm. to use a term, <laughs> uh, that they're, you know, they're ignoring what the underlying reason for this is. Mm-hmm. And they don't have any, they have not, they didn't have any solid plans to do this. But now they're saying that we're going to land on the moon by 2024. And I think it's just another example of people making a deal with the devil to get what they want from this guy who is going to use it for his own glorification. Right, right. And there was something else with NASA that takes place, I think it's in February. It's going to take place in February of 2021, um, one month after his inauguration. And it was something that was scheduled by NASA. I want to say it has something to do with Mars, something that's uh, really, really crucial, like a big goddamn deal, which is startling because I'm forgetting what it is. Uh, but nevertheless, there's something going to happen in March of, or in February of 2021. And I was relieved to see that because it's possible that if Trump doesn't win re-election and uh, you know, a Democrat goes in, 
he, he's not going to get credit for whatever that thing is in February of 2021. Uh, and that's, that's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the Mars 2020 lander is landing in February 2021. There you go. That's the, the thing. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, because you know, if that were to happen and Trump is still president, he's going to completely take credit for it. He says, no, no one could have expected that we would do this and I'm president and it's the greatest landing ever. And blah, 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 blah. The, all the same bullshit. The Trump is crazy. Right, again, and again, any president would do that and serve that role and everything. But, yeah. the, but this landing thing is specifically, it's like this only happened in the past like three months. Right. Where right. they said, holy shit, we don't have, they don't have the right upper stage to get to the moon. And they don't mm-hmm. have, they had like three things they had to put in place. Nobody even had a lander on the, even on the drawing board. <laughs> right. So for them to say, we're going to do this in five years is ridiculous, but it's, it, they're going to do it, and it's because because Trump and Pence stepped in and said we're going to do this, and this is just like the military parade and the Fourth right. of July thing. That's it, that's just blatantly that's it. Yeah, actually, when you said uh, the moon lander, when you mentioned the moon lander, uh, Mike, I thought immediately back to I think it was episode four of Chernobyl when they had those remote control moon landers, the Soviet yeah. moon landers, uh, on the roof of the Chernobyl power plant, and then they were t- picking up the graphite and dumping it back into the uh, the flaming pit of hell that was the reactor four or that used to be reactor four, and uh, I was thinking along those lines and i'm going you know what here's a great litmus test yet another litmus test for how we choose our presidents and specifically in terms of how we view our current president now we've got a lot of functioning nuclear power plants in this country one of which is right up the river right up the hudson river from uh, manhattan it's the indian point uh, nuclear power plant and that one has had all kinds of problems over the years and i'm not sure i think they were talking about decommissioning it at one point i'm not sure if it's been decommissioned yet but nevertheless a lot of nuclear power plants out there several of them right here uh within close driving distance of where i live of, of washington dc yeah and um so the, the question is the litmus test is can you imagine donald trump and mike pence and donald trump's cabinet you know everyone who would be involved Rick Perry, for God's sake, would be involved in the in the process if a Chernobyl type event were to happen here. Now, granted, yeah, everyone says, "Well, nuclear is safe. Nuclear is safe." Yeah, nuclear is safe until it's catastrophic, until it's apocalyptic. Right. You know, it's it's safe all the way up until that point at which thousands, if not millions, of people are going to be killed as a consequence of that technology. Yeah, now, I have I was thinking about this yesterday, not yeah. in specific terms like that, but just yeah, in terms of a. Uh, not just a natural disaster, but some, yeah. you know, a terrorist attack or something mm-hmm. like that. How how these guys would totally drop the ball on it. Right, right. Well, I think, you know, it's a... Well, like, it would depend on what was attacked. If it's California, they're not helping. Oh, yeah. no, certainly not. And, that, and see, to me, that needs to be an impeachment article. The very- Unless it's Visalia or Fresno. If it's somewhere in Devin Nunez district. Right. But right. I mean, Orange County didn't go for him either. So, you know, they're out of luck, too. Yeah, that's true. But right, I, right, right. I mean, but can you imagine Donald Trump navigating that kind of crisis? Everything that we saw that went right by Jared Harris's character in the series made a series of correct decisions. And, and the guy whose name I forget, who was played by Stellan Skarsgård. That guy made a series of, of correct decisions. And in, in fact, Jared Harris's character in episode five said, thank you for doing everything that I recommended. It, it actually saved thousands and thousands and thousands. Well, I, about I millions think in of a life. less dramatic way that China's already taking advantage of it. Uh, yeah. You know, even though we're supposedly having this trade war with them, 
I think strategically, both them and Putin know that they're going to benefit from their incompetence, from yeah. Trump's incompetence. Uh, and and that, so there's probably lots of things that are going on that are, you know, not as dramatic as a Chernobyl or something like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, specifically 5G is a good example, I think. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, just imagine a Fukushima event happening and Donald Trump is president of the United States. It's not even inside the United States in J- Japan. I can only imagine how Donald Trump digests information like that. Well, first, he'd, he'd blame right. Obama first. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely true. I think Donald Trump is terrified of nuclear power but then at the same time or nuclear weapons especially i think he's i think he's afraid of nuclear and he's and i'm i'm using his terms now i just referred to it as as nuclear nuclear. yeah he's afraid of sharks and nuclear (laughs) and nuclear and stairs he's afraid of stairs Stairs and slopes that's true stairs slopes nuclear sharks right um (laughs) nuclear sharks i think that's the name of the show today by the way thank you very much um but but here's the thing you know i think he would panic I, I don't think he'd make any correct decision, not based on his incompetence, but just on his uh, his inability to grasp a serious crisis like that. And you know, again, I, we have given me a great idea for a bit for the for the new record is uh, you know what if Trump were president during World War II? Oh mm. God, yeah. God, how frightening. Right, right. Or you know, the long-standing litmus test for a president going in is the Cuban Missile Crisis. How would he handle a Cuban Missile yeah. Crisis type event? And yet, you know, we had. 62 million people in this country who decided, ah, fuck it. It doesn't matter. Let's experiment with the presidency. Who cares who's president? It doesn't really matter. They don't you know, do Cuba would be difficult because it's surrounded by water. <laughs> yes, that's true. Big water. He's terrified of the large water. And <laughs> Donald Trump always has issues with water. And yeah. whether it's the big water, it's, you know, what, what did he say about the uh, hurricanes? It was unprecedented in terms of water. It was... <laughs> Yes. In terms of wetness. Wetness. It was water oh, yeah. in terms it was wet in terms of yeah, it was the weirdest, dumbest thing in the world. Yeah, exactly. Very wet in terms of water. One of the wettest we've ever seen from the standpoint of water. Water, right. <laughs> well, so there would be I, that. I actually too. have a I have I actually have a bit about that, but from the, the you have, oh did you do one about the, the wet water? I did I, I yeah. did one about the uh about the Puerto Rican water. Would you care to hear it? Yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> if you if okay, you got yeah, it, yeah. I would have. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if I. I have oh, it. actually, you know what? I don't think it'll work. Never mind. I can't. I don't think I can play things through this. It's called Big Thick Water, and it's oh, it's to the tune of uh, Cool Water by the Sons of the Pioneers. Uh, you know what? I don't have that one in my library either. I've got a. I've got my very yeah. own Rocky Mountain Mike uh, audio library here, and I don't see it. I don't see it here. Damn it! Damn it! Damn it! Okay. Darn well. It. Yeah. All right. All right. Never mind. You're just gonna have to do Google search it and find it on SoundCloud or something like that. So, uh, actually, I could probably, you know, uh, oh, here we go. I've got it right here. Do you want to hear it? Sure. Let's I hear it. Yeah. If you can play it, yeah. I think we should be able let's to hear see it. See if, uh, if all my doohickeys work and, and the schmageggies and everything else. <laughs> yeah. Get your schmageggies in order, for God's sake. Schmageggies are very important. Yeah. So the the mouse and I are now together in the office by ourselves. Oh yes, that's right. Jody and and her husband Lonnie are trying to find this mouse that was dragged in by her cat, and oh, it's. Okay. It's it's only it's only partially dead, which is oh there it is. That's why it's still living. It's, it's invincible. This mouse. Oh wait wait what was that? That was me. Excuse that was me. Sorry. My God. Mike. Okay. All right. So so here's the water thing. If you want to hear it. All day he asked is barren. 
definition of an island surrounded by water, water, big water, water, ocean water. Those islanders are high and dry, and Trump found out <laughs> that on all sides is water. An island sitting in the middle of an ocean. <laughs> Big ocean. Big water. Ocean water. 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 That's it. (laughs) That is great. That is great. You know why I love that so much? I love the drop-ins of him saying, Water. 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 All of the water. It's just, oh my God. Witness. Yes, the largest in terms of the wettest we've ever seen from the standpoint of water. You think he got to the word water and went, oh, shit, what am I going to say now? The wettest we've ever seen from the standpoint of water? Oh, man. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. So, so anyway, D-Day. So. <laughs> right. Um, you know, there was a, a British writer named Nate White who wrote a, a pretty funny piece And it's really, really salient in terms of why British people hate Trump. And we've seen, obviously, the large crowds just praising Donald Trump, marching up and down the street in support (laughs) of our amazingly handsome, vibrant, young president. Uh, because they love him so much, because he's such a truth teller and such a genuine article, such the the smart, funny, uh, just debonair president. Everyone, uh, you know, the world is just falling in love with Donald. Actually, no, that's not happening at all. And here's one of the reasons why uh, the British people hate Donald Trump, or a series of reasons. And I thought this was a a really salient look at Donald Trump from the outside, where they're not. They don't have their faces pressed up against their screens every day, against their TVs and their their computer screens every day following the ongoing uh, crisis of Donald Trump. So this is a, a nice and interesting objective outside view. Okay. A few things. Again, this is Nate White. Why do some British people not like Donald Trump? A few things spring to mind, Nate White writes. Trump lacks certain qualities which the British traditionally esteem. For instance, he has no class, no charm, no coolness, no credibility, no compassion, no wit, no warmth, no wisdom, no subtlety, no sensitivity, no self-awareness, no humility, no honor, and no grace, all qualities, funnily enough, with which his predecessor, Mr. Obama, was generously blessed. So for us, the British, the stark contrast does rather throw Trump's limitations into embarrassingly sharp relief. Plus, we like a laugh, and while Trump may be laughable, he has never once said anything wry, witty, or even faintingly amusing. Not once ever. I don't say that rhetorically, I mean it quite literally. Not once, not ever. And the fact is, particularly disturbing to the British sensibility for us, to lack humor is almost inhuman. But with Trump, it's a fact. He doesn't even seem to understand what a joke is. His idea of a joke is a crass comment, an insult, an act of cruelty. Trump is a troll, and like all trolls, he is never funny, and he never laughs. He only crows or jeers. And you know what? That's something I've noticed. Donald Trump never laughs out loud. There was one time, I think in the past month, in which I saw him actually say, or actually mutter the sound, I I think I heard him go, (laughs) 
And that was the closest I've ever heard to an out loud laugh. Go back through all the video you've seen. Try to remember. I bet you can't point to one single time you've ever heard our current president actually laugh. Back to this article. He needs to go, or whatever you made that sound. He needs, yeah, Jody did it better than me. And, and do that, yes, in that tuxedo, and he's got the penguin part. He goes, there he didn't make that noise either. Um, Stephanie mentioned that noise today. Uh, yeah, I did, and I sent it over. Except, you know what? I was listening five, like five minutes behind the live feed because I had to go back and listen to something else. And anyway, so uh, I sent it to them, and they never got around to playing your uh, yeah, well, your funny tab noise when I said the the name Maggie Haberman. Anyway. <laughs> right. um, okay. Clever girl. Let's see. Uh, did I read? The, no, I don't think I read this part yet. Uh, Trump is a troll, and like all trolls, he is never funny, never laughs. He only crows or jeers. And scarily, he doesn't just talk in crude, witless insults. He actually thinks in them. His mind is a simple bot-like algorithm of petty prejudices and knee-jerk nastiness. There is never any underlayer of irony, complexity, nuance, or depth. It's all surface. Some Americans might see this as refreshingly upfront. Well, we don't the British, we see it as having our inner world or having no inner world, no soul. And in Britain, we traditionally side with David, not Goliath. All our heroes are plucky underdogs, Robin Hood, Dick Whittington, who I don't, who is Dick Whittington? I've never heard that one. I love that name. Yeah. um, It was my radio name in 1976. Uh, I was doing radio. Remember that, Mike? I was doing radio and then Oklahoma City, I was Dick Whittington on the air. I was... Dick Whittington? Yeah. Wait a minute. I'm missing that. I'm j- I'm just totally kidding because I was five years old in 1976. And I was well, on the radio. Well, you know, uh, I lived down the street from a guy named Dick Whittington. Oh, really? In, in, when I was growing up. And so that's what threw me off. All right. Well... He had a really cool guitar and I, I hated him for it. My mentions are going <laughs> to suck now because, you know... <laughs> I think it's a fairy tale really, character. That's, you know, I worked, um, when I worked for American Airlines, I worked on the uh, international group for a couple of years. Yeah. And I, I was somewhat close with a lot of people in the London office, and I mm. would go over there. Uh, and, you know, it was interesting. I worked with these guys for a year before I actually ever went to London. And then when I got there, it was great because I knew everybody. But I think, like, the 90s version of me was too crass and obnoxious for a couple of them. So I can only imagine what Trump is to the Brits. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, and then you mentioned the, uh, the the fact that he all he does is jabs and stuff like that. You know that that's got to come from some deep pain that is that has always been there. That's never been that's never been extricated. Yeah, and that's where that, that uh, he's just, it's just that's someone who is in pain. Yeah, that's how they communicate and think. Right, right. Well, I, I think it's uh, it's a little of that. It's a little of the fact that he's got no core values. I just think he has trouble experiencing joy. I, I think he's incapable of all these things. I think he's a genuine sociopath. I think he's got uh, absolutely. Yeah, he's got a serious glitch. Like something is uh, he blew a gasket at some point, and uh, and consequently we're all fucked because. Well, we had you know in America we had thirty years of snarky sitcoms. Yeah, and then we had twenty years of. Reality TV, right? And and to 
uh, a lot of people, that's what this produced, was that sort of character. Yeah. And, oh, this is going to be great. He's going to be telling those people who've been running everything what for. Yeah, well, that's true. And I think that's one of the reasons why they uh, voted for this guy. I think one of the reasons is, is that uh, he kind of reflects this anger and rage and you know laundry list of grievances and you know he just he tapped into that he saw what was on fox news channel and decided hey that's pretty good shtick i'm gonna do that i'm gonna just land on that because obviously he doesn't genuinely feel these things he just goes along with whatever he thinks is gonna work no i don't i don't think trump sees any distinguish anything that distinguishes politics from professional wrestling yeah I, i think he sees them as exactly the same thing and that is certainly his supporters feel that way and one of the reasons why I think they're able to support him is because they've got a, a long history of being able to suspend their disbelief you know what I mean it's just whether it's evangelical religion or professional wrestling or you know I mean going back to what you were saying about reality shows even who are the characters we remember most from reality shows? Who are invariably the it's most... It's always the assholes. It's always the assholes. <laughs> always the villains, right? Right, Jody? Right. It's Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could go back all the way to the very first season of The Real World and find, mm-hmm. oh, the one we remember. Oh, we remember Pac. We remember Pac. Mm-hmm. We remember Lisa Vanderpump, for God's sake. We we remember all of the assholes on those shows. And the, the naked guy on, on Survivor. Exactly. The ones, yeah. yeah. yeah the, the people that everyone- The one that went to prison. <laughs> yeah. Right. And the, and the reason we watch is to see these villains. And so, you know, that was, I was saying that throughout the campaign. I was like, watch out for Donald Trump because- America loves reality show villains. Those are always the most popular ones, and America sees this shit now, sees politics thanks to uh, cable news and so on, as being a form of a reality show. Like, what's the next big thing? Where Who's winning? Who's behind? What's the next big drama? Is this going to make for good drama? Should we play up this drama? Should we fabricate this drama? Should we propagandize it? And so it's like, it's basically now where cable news newsrooms decision desks, whatever you want to call them, are preoccupied with creating, manufacturing drama. And then that happens on you know, Fox News Channel every you know, damn day, right? Yeah, you know, in, in 1984, I went back to college at age 29, and so I voted on campus. And I remember standing in line, and there was these extremely old people that were volunteering at the polls, and it was running really slow. And I just made a snarky comment. I said, just imagine Reagan's even older than these guys. And <laughs> and this girl that was standing in front of me just whips around and says, well, he's better than Mondale. And, what? Jesus and, Christ. And, uh, and, you know, I, you want to say, how is he better? First, first thing that Reagan's going to do is he's going to end your student loans, you know, or your grant programs. Uh, but I'm sure she didn't know that. Yeah, you know that that and that. So it's not a new thing for it to be a popularity contest and for people not to be aware of the issues and right. everything. And that's that's just a cancer that you know. I don't know. Is Trump going to help us get over that and change? Yeah. Well, I mean, the big question is whether or not we uh, we close this giant Trump sized gap in the door. You know, it's like I always compare it to uh, the Kool Aid Man bashing through the wall. Well, Trump has bashed through the wall, and the question now is. How many more Trump clones are going to come? How many more Kool-Aid guy-shaped people are going to come right through that hole after him? And the first one that I see in line is Donald Trump Jr., goddamn idiot, Mm -hmm. Um, who, by the way, doesn't understand irony either, just like his dad. Um, He tweeted this earlier today, or actually, I take it back. It was yesterday. Donald Trump Jr. said, Biden incentivized is incentivized to dismiss China threat because his son took one point five billion from 
China, right? China. And so the question I have then is, what do you make of this, Don Jr.? Russians make up a pretty disproportionate cross-section of all of our assets, <laughs> you know, which is something that he has said on video. It's the same damn thing, even if this uh, Breitbart article that Donald Trump Jr. tweeted out isn't entirely accurate. Um, and I would imagine that it's not. But, you know, uh, just taking it at face value. It's no different than Donald Trump Jr. and Donald Trump himself doing business with Russia and then giving all kinds of breaks to Russia, right? That's the compromise. That's, you know, they're, comprom- they're deeply and profoundly compromised. And whether it's Trump or Trump Jr., doesn't matter. All right, we got My only <laughs> hope is that maybe the next generation just looks at us and yeah. says, you know, this is how you got here. Yeah. And we're not going to do that. You know, you guys have fucked this up. And we're just not going to play it that way anymore. There needs mm-hmm. to be somebody who steps up and makes that sort of game-changing thing in American politics. And yeah. I, you know, who knows? Who knows? I mean, there's. It's one thing to have liberal policies and let's have Medicare for all and let's have uh, you know AOC and people like that in the picture. But there really needs to be somebody who has the the power to make us change the way we do the thing. Let's uh, take a, a quick break here, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about Trump making excuses for dodging the draft. Uh, Pfizer is uh, doing weird shit. I want to talk about that. That's going to be a, a story I think we're all going to be focused on for a while because they're monkeying around with a possible cure mm-hmm. for something, and it makes it just really raises all kinds of red flags in my head. And I don't mean to be conspiratorial. Uh, but I'm going to be a little conspiratorial. <laughs> Back with more show right after these words. I'm a student. I'm a professional. I'm a woman. And I shouldn't have to worry about walking alone, day or night. I've heard it all. Honey, give me a smile. Harmless cat calls? I never know. I carry Tiger Lady. It's a revolutionary defense tool that's based on one of nature's most efficient defenses, a cat's retractable claws. It weighs less than my phone and is designed to collect DNA. Tiger Lady is discreet and fits in my hand. And when I make a fist, Claws come out like a real-life Wolverine. It's easy to use, doesn't require training, and is legal in all 50 states. Get your Tiger Lady today by going to TigerLady.com today. Tiger Lady makes the perfect graduation gift to prepare her for the world ahead. Get Tiger Lady today for safety's sake at TigerLady.com. And for a limited time, get a pack of four at 15% off. Use the code GRAD and save an additional 20% off your entire order. Go to TigerLady.com. That's TigerLady.com. Tiger Lady, the ultimate gift of personal safety for any graduate. Hey, this is Frangela, and we host the Final Word with Frangela and Idiot of the Week podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, you'll love our show, where every week we talk about real news, real funny. So come on over and listen to the Final Word with Frangela and find it at sexyliberal.com and on iTunes, Stitcher, Tune in and everywhere else you get your podcasts. The Bob Seska Show. The Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. If you jump to All right, welcome back to the show today. Thank you for joining us. We've got Jody Hamilton here from the From the Bunker podcast on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Also, Rocky Mountain Mike making his debut on the Thursday show, filling in for T-Rex, David Ferguson, who is in Florida for some reason. 
He hasn't explained that to me. I have no idea why he's in Florida. Thank you, Florida. But he is. He's down there meeting with Florida Man. They're going to wrestle an alligator in while not wearing pants, and then they're going to go to Disneyland or Disney World. Um, isn't that what you and do in Florida? bite off somebody's face. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. That's what you do when you go to Florida. You do crazy shit. All right. I, I'm going to delve into weird territory here because I, I'm not typically a conspiratorial person. But when I read something like this, when I read about uh, this Pfizer Alzheimer's cure, apparently, well, let me just read, let me read this headline. Just give you a sense of what we're talking about here. Fi- this is Washington Post. Pfizer had clues its blockbuster drug could prevent Alzheimer's. Why didn't it tell the world? Yes. Good question, Washington Post. Why didn't Pfizer tell the world that it could reduce the, ch- the risk of Alzheimer's by up to 65% using, wow. using a drug that they've already got out there? It's Embril. They're talking about Embril. Why didn't here. you tell the world? Yeah, my God. <laughs> Dr. Strange. Jesus. I, so Embril can, can lower one's risk of Alzheimer's? That's amazing. Well, th- there was indication that it could, and what Pfizer decided to do was to not put it through trials for Alzheimer's patients. That, and why? I, because their internal science, apparently, led them to believe that it wouldn't make it through the clinical trials. That's their They'll excuse. try. Yeah, especially when we're talking about Alzheimer's disease here, one of the most tragic and terrible uh, disorders that someone can get. Um, Look, Bob, oh, yeah, if okay, they gave somebody you know, a boner, not, they'd be fine. It's not like we're talking about dick pills, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Really we're not talking right. about we, dick pills, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we collided on that one. Really uh, slammed me into the uh, goalpost of that one. <laughs> A team of researchers inside Pfizer made a startling find in 2015. The company's blockbuster rheumatoid arthritis therapy, Enbrel, a powerful anti-inflammatory drug, and of course, Alzheimer's has uh, uh, connections to inflammation. Uh, This anti-inflammatory drug appeared to reduce the risk of Alzheimer's disease by 64%. Good God. The results were from an analysis of hundreds of thousands of insurance claims, verifying that the drug would actually have the effect in people would require a costly clinical trial. And after several years of internal discussion, Pfizer opted against further investigation and chose not to make the data public, the company confirmed. Researchers in the company's Division of Inflammation and Immunology urged Pfizer to conduct a clinical trial on thousands of patients, which they estimated would cost $80 million. So they didn't want to so invest... That's chump change. That is yes! nothing to them. It's pocket change for these assholes. $80 million is nothing. God damn it! And so the cost of this thing, $80 million, to see if the signal contained in the data was real according to an internal company document obtained by the Washington Post. Enbrel could potentially safely prevent, safely prevent, treat, and slow progression of Alzheimer's disease, said the document. A PowerPoint slide show that was prepared for review by an internal Pfizer committee in February 2018. The company told... When you consider how many semi-trucks full of cash they got with the tax cut... Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. Unfucking believable. The company told the post that it decided during its three years of internal review that Enbrel did not show promise for Alzheimer's prevention because the drug does not directly reach brain tissue. Right. So so wh- how do you explain all of these people who saw benefits from taking Enbrel? I can. Yeah. I'm looking at why. <laughs> 
it's uh, it's basically anti TNF. The TNF activity when you have rheumatoid arthritis is super high, yeah. and that can be a problem with relationships to Alzheimer's disease. So when you take Enbrel, it brings that TNF down, therefore preventing possible Alzheimer's in the future. Well, see, Jody Hamilton on this show just now basically did all the work that Pfizer could have done in, uh, in, in, in the past year and reached that same conclusion. Said, yeah, maybe we should plunk down the $80 million and do a, a clinical trial. I mean, my God, the risk of it. I mean, I don't even know what's the rate of Alzheimer's right now. Is it like one in four people are going to get it's it or something? It's a lot of people. And the, thing, the, 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 the interesting part of them going, oh, we shouldn't try it is because an anti-TNF drug in a healthy person that doesn't have, say, rheumatoid arthritis or other inflammation issues can increase the risk of contracting other infections, which is part of the side effects of Enbrel anyway. Yeah. Hmm. If you watch the commercials, it can cause this or that or the other thing and make sure you get tested and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Basically, they, they think that it wouldn't approve Enbrel. Well, then still study it somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, again. There, there might be a molecule you can change where that goes away and it still okay, is helpful minute, to Alzheimer's. Had, had it proceeded to the point that they, where they had tested in animals or is that possible? No, they no. haven't even started that yet. No, they just got the indication. I mean, going back to, let's see, going back to the beginning of this uh uh, article here. They, they, I mean, there were thousands and thousands of, of documents, mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands of insurance mm-hmm. claims showing improvement of Alzheimer's symptoms with Embril, um just coincidentally. But you can't, the problem is, unless it goes through cl- clinical trials, you can't prescribe Embril for Alzheimer's patients. Right. Because it's, yeah, it, it hasn't be been approved. Yeah, yeah, it'd be off label. But it seems to me as if there got to be doctors out there who are going, why not fucking try it? I mean, families yeah. of patients, families of Alzheimer's victims, Alzheimer's victims themselves who are in the early stages of it are probably going, could you please give this to and me? Most of them probably have some sort of other inflammation in their body anyway because it comes on at such a late stage in general in your life that yeah. you've already got some crap going on. I mean, again, I, I'm not one necessarily to question experts, to question scientists because I'm not a scientist. So I therefore have to defer to the science on this. And they say, and there's a point blank right here, science was the sole determining factor against moving forward, said uh, this spokesman for Pfizer. But it seems to me as if um, we need to see the science or what they need to do is share their science, share their findings with other studies with other groups of researchers who are trying to find a cure for this shit because maybe they can unlock why exactly it's happening or maybe actually use Enbrel as a springboard for something else and develop it there. Instead, they just kept it secret. They didn't pursue it. And, And it only took the Washington Post until now to get this documentation, to get these PowerPoint slides to find out that it was actually going on. I mean, well, the other problem, apparently, with Embril, it doesn't get through the blood-brain barrier, which is where we think Alzheimer's originates, but it may not. It might be anti-inflammatory drugs. That well, is there an so. analog with another pharmaceutical that might have been pursuing something like this? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I know very little about the research process into Alzheimer's, although we are going to talk here in just a second about uh, embryonic uh, stem cell research with regard to Alzheimer's. But the fact is that they, they had something here, and... Again, unless we hear from someone who can clarify why it's not worth pursuing an $80 million clinical trial or why it's not worth farming this out to other research organizations who are studying Alzheimer's disease. Well, another thing is uh, the cost of the trial itself, does that include any liability? 
as well? Because that could be a significant factor, maybe. Uh, yeah, it might be. But uh, again... Um, they do clinical trials all the time, and they yeah. start with animals, and then they move up. To the human trials wouldn't be tomorrow on this. This would have to, you know, do the normal All I know is I lost my dad to, to Alzheimer's like, I mean, I took that ago. drug, I think they call it... I don't yeah. know what they call it anymore. Uh, for quitting smoking, and that's mm-hmm. an antidepressant. Oh, and they found to, that people had stopped smoking, journey. taking this drug. Yeah. So then they started the trials with that. Like mm. what? What was the efficacy? And it worked for me. And that's why It'd they say the chantix. I think is what they call it now. Yeah. And they basically go, you can become depressed. So watch out for that because it's an antidepressant. So that if you have some sort of problems chemically with depression, that drug can exacerbate the problem. You can also quit smoking. Yeah, exactly right. And you were saying, Mike, that uh, you lost your dad to Alzheimer's recently, or uh, oh, six, six, five, six years ago? Uh, seven years. It'd be it'll be seven years in November. Wow, wow. And I'm sure. And the, the the tragedy about that was that my mom took it upon herself to take care of him way longer than she should have. He also had diabetes, so she, he literally needed her to stay alive. And um, it was you know it just finally reached the point to where his you know, his bodily functions were such that, you know, he's got to go into a place. It was only then, like six months before he passed, that she finally said, okay, we're putting him in a place. Yeah. Uh, So it really took a toll on her, uh, just taking care of him all the time. Yeah, it's got to take a toll on anybody. It is absolutely a nightmare between the hallucinations, between the memory loss, between Mm -hmm. the confusion and the physical problems that go along with all of that. Just such a nightmare. And it seems to me as if that alone is motivation enough to proceed forward. It says here in this article, though, uh, wagering money on a clinical trial of Enbrel for an entirely different disease, especially when Pfizer had doubts about the validity of its internal analysis, made little business sense, said a former Pfizer executive who is aware of the internal debate and spoke on condition of anonymity to discuss internal Pfizer matters. So it came down to a business decision, didn't it? And you know what? I, I received so much shit on this show. Um, I think it was, in fact, an after-party episode uh, maybe three or four months ago. Kimberly Johnson and I were talking about why there isn't a cure for cancer yet. And I just postulated, just absolute speculation on my part, is the, the thing that a lot of people have come up with in reaction to this Pfizer story, which is that why come up with the cure if the treatment is so profitable? You know, if you're a major corporation, and, we're, and again, we're talking about CEOs who make decisions and boards of directors who make decisions based on profit, pure profit. They're wired to take the human piece of the puzzle out of the equation. They don't care about lives. They don't care about, well, is this going to um, kill people or is this not going to save people that we could otherwise save? This doesn't factor into their thinking. What they do is they strategize based on the bottom line. What is going to uh, help their their stockholders? What is going to preserve their golden parachutes and so on? And that is a bit of my, my, a little bit of my paranoia, a little bit of my conspiracy theorist side. But the fact of the matter is that when you see a story like this, how can you not draw that conclusion? How can you not right. see that? It, it's so immensely frustrating. And then when you see someone like Donald goddamn Trump, who, by the way, uh, lost his dad, Fred Trump, died uh, after battling Alzheimer's disease for something like six years. And, and yet Donald Trump sits in, in wherever he was, in, on Air Force One or in the Oval Office or what have you, in Europe or where, you know, wherever he signed this uh, executive order to defund the NIH's research into embryonic stem cell uh, therapies. 
Mm-hmm. And again, you have to go, good Lord, uh, uh, the cruel whimsy is just absolutely staggering. I mean, these are... I, I think the thing is that he's recognizing um, that the wagons are circling and that, yeah. he's, uh, that, he's, that he's really in trouble with the presidential election. And so he's doing everything he can... Uh, to you know, to please the base, and this is part of it. I noticed that the, um, the national wildlife refuges are going to open up hunting to areas that they didn't before, and it, and again, it's just let's throw more re- yeah. red meat to the base uh, because I don't know what else to do at this point. Yeah, well, you know what this is, Mike and Jody. Th- this decision about uh, stem cell research has entirely everything to do with that fake. Planned Parenthood series of videos from, I believe it was the summer of 2015. Remember that guy, David Delighton and the yeah. Center for Medical Research or whatever the fuck that was? And and what they did is they went in and did a series of like James O'Keefe sting videos in which they uh, took, took the raw video, re-edited it to make it look like uh, Planned Parenthood was selling fetus parts on the black market right. for and that, profit. And that didn't die. You know, that whole idea didn't die. Right. So this is part of that, yeah. Yeah, it didn't die even after something like, you know, like two dozen states, including an entire series of red states and red state governors, conducted investigations into Planned Parenthood in their states and determined that there was zero wrongdoing, including uh, this ridiculous accusation of uh, right. well, selling fetus parts. He has to do everything he parts. can to, to the evangelists. Right. To the event. I can't speak today. Evangelical <laughs> You too? I can't speak To say, today. I'm your guy. And this is <laughs> right. one of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly why. Why? Because he's got a big election coming up and he needs the evangelical vote. And so he's going to pander to these hoople heads who have no fucking concept that those videos made by David Delighton were absolutely 100% fake. And, you know, in fact, David Delighton was indicted uh, in the state of Texas by crazy Greg Abbott, for God's sake. And and one of the things he was indicted for was trying to sell fetus parts. Mm-hmm. I mean, David Delighton, wow. the guy who did a sting operation against Planned Parenthood for that, was indicted for trying to sell uh, p- p- pieces of a fetus on the black market or as part of the sting operation because he was posing as someone who wanted to I'm do that. I'm telling you, the only thing, the only thing that, that anybody has any hope of is we have to find somebody who's a shinier object than Trump. <laughs> and that's that's yeah. what it takes. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you know what? Elizabeth Warren last night. Let me just say a, a word or two about Elizabeth Warren while prefacing the fact that I am not endorsing anybody yet. I am not going to say who I support until, you know, at least December. It's going to be a good long time before I really dig into this whole Democratic primary process. But all of that said... Elizabeth Warren really killed it last night on uh, Chris Hayes. They did a town hall on MSNBC. And she was, uh, you know, and I hate to throw around this word casually, she was inspirational. She was good. Mm -hmm. She was, I mean, I I sat there watching and going, you know what? She is 100%. And, and I know the idea that most politicians are full of shit. It's a performance. There's a performance aspect yeah. to all of this crap. But, well, you know, it's so funny because they talk about likability and all that stuff, with, especially with Hillary and stuff like that. Yeah. And watching her last night, I realized that her story is real. Yeah. And she's, you know, uh-huh. the stuff that she says is real. And where, whereas with Hillary, people always took it with a grain of salt. They always said, oh, she, you know, she's cynically doing this or that. Yeah. What, fair or not. 
but you don't get that sense with her. You get the sense that, you know, she really did want to be a teacher and, and she was led to this naturally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that the bottom line is that she sounded authentic. She sounded like she absolutely believes the things coming out of her mouth. And we so, uh, excuse me, we so seldom see that with uh, especially national politicians um, who can say all of these things and, and, to talk to ordinary people and appear on television and and deliver major speeches or do little tiny intimate one-on-one events or with a small group of people and still sound just as genuine irrespective of which format they're operating in and once again i just i got the sense that Elizabeth Warren was the genuine article last night. And I'm not going so far as to say that, you know, she's more genuine or less genuine than anyone else in the uh, Democratic field at this point. It just happened that she was doing a town hall last night and I happened to see it. Yeah. yeah. And my reaction Because I think was, you, you could say a lot of those same, same things about Mayor Pete as well. Yeah, that's true. Or, I, you know, Kamala Harris, you know, uh, any of them, really. Yeah. Again, we're uh, as far as. Uh, we're very, very lucky in terms of the uh, the caliber of the Democratic field. And, you know, I was skeptical skeptical for a good long while there that uh, we were going to get uh, adequate uh, candidates. And I think there are, uh, are maybe five or six candidates right now who could easily defeat Donald Trump, all things being equal, take Russia out of the equation, take voter suppression out of the equation. And, you know, you have a, an extraordinarily uh, solid-looking field of candidates who can who really ought to be able to win in a gigantic landslide against this guy. What excites me is the idea that Texas might be in play. That would be so awesome. Oh, I know. And you know what? She's, I think in the most recent poll, I think she's only one point behind Donald Trump in Texas. If the election were held today, which is pretty strong, you know, and there's actually one other thing I want to talk about. I want to get your reactions to uh, Joe Biden and the latest story to come out about Joe Biden. I, you know, and again, I'm not bringing up something positive for about Elizabeth Warren and then something negative about Joe Biden because I like one and hate the other. This is just the news. I'm just relating the news, so don't at me on Twitter, for God's sake. Uh, One last break. We're going to wrap up the show, talk about Joe Biden here for a second uh, after these words. You can't always get a clean you can feel good about inside and out unless you're using Bubble Genius Bath and Body Products. See, Bubble Genius is a woman-owned small business proudly creating our vegan-friendly products in America and supporting other U.S. businesses by buying our ingredients and supplies from them as often as possible. Plus, you'll be hard-pressed to find packaging as recyclable as ours. Visit BubbleGenius.com and check out our cause-related items, too, like our global warming soap and a lot more. We donate our proceeds for those items to worthy causes, like organizations combating climate change and mountaintop removal mining. Good stuff like that. We also send our products to the troops overseas through our Buy a Soldier a Shower campaign. Because the least we can do is keep them smiling and smelling great, right? So visit BubbleGenius.com and feel good and clean. Bubble Genius, doing our part to make the world a better place, one bathtub at a time. That's BubbleGenius.com. Bob Seska! This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. There's a group called A Sunday Drive, and the song is called Boxing Day. If you want to submit your indie music, send it to BobSeska.com slash music. Or don't send it to that, because it's not really an email address. Just go to that web page. See, I'm like a thousand years old now. That's what I'm sounding like. Go to my email and send me an email, damn it. (laughs) 
Um, yeah, you go to that web page and there's a submission thing there that you can send in your music and your links and all that happy crappy. So do that, please, and thank you, and we'll play your music on the show, uh, and especially the Indie Music Countdown. We had a brand new Indie Music Countdown uh, on Sunday, so you want to go listen to that if you had a song in the uh, in the previous month on the show. And if you didn't have a song, you just enjoy the music because it's just really good stuff in there. All right, uh, Joe Biden. Um, you know, my big concern with Joe Biden all along has simply been the fact that he's Joe Biden. And I look back to his previous couple of attempts to run for president and I go, well, what are people going to see this time that they failed to see those other two times in which he didn't even really make like the top 10 or anything like that? He was just sort of tried and failed and went away. And then Barack Obama made him vice president. I guess it's the Obama factor. I guess it's the fact that he was vice president. Um, I've never been overly impressed with Joe Biden. And I'm going to be completely blunt, completely honest with you about how I feel about Joe Biden. I'm not going to, I've got my serious concerns about him as a viable candidate moving forward. And I think a lot of people, once these debates start, are going to kind of reach the same conclusion. Once you see Joe Biden in action, live on a stage with all in contrast with the other candidates, I think we're going to see all of the things that I've been concerned about. And one of the things is, obviously, um, the ongoing uh, pension for having to react to everything he says by going, well, what Joe Biden meant to say was, and it's, you know, dot, dot, dot. And it's going to be a lot of that. It's going to be a lot of uh, triage after a major gaffe. And we've got one of our first situations along those lines now, which is that he apparently plagiarized his climate plan. But I can well imagine it was a low-level staffer and there was no guards put in place to ensure that something wasn't. And this is one of those deals where it's the campaign. There there is software that you can run to check and see if something has been plagiarized. And every campaign should have it. Right. And because uh, you wouldn't have a situation like this. I'm sure that if Biden personally knew that the, that was the case, he would put a stop to it. But somebody along the line fucked up. Yeah. Um, one of the groups he plagiarized from, or one of the groups the staffer plagiarized from, is a group called uh, American Rivers. Um, they, they, they have a section on their website about infrastructure, and they, they kind of horked a little bit of that from that website. It's just, again, it's a fuck up that didn't need to happen, especially when you're a candidate who has a history of issues with plagiarism. You know, it just, right. you feed the, uh, the the Trump machine by doing that. And, and Donald Trump hasn't latched onto this one yet, but he's going to. I mean, meanwhile, Joe Biden has I, come out. Know, I think this is, I really think this is a reflection of the, of the size of the field. Yeah. If you think about it, if you have over 20 people running, then the number of qualified people who really know how to run a campaign, they're going to be spread pretty thin. Right, right. Well, and, and also, um, when you have a, uh, a field this large, the chances are you're going to get a lot of stories along these lines because that means 20-plus candidates and, and their campaign teams are all, are all doing opposition research. So... You know, there's you've got 20 different campaign te- teams, 20 different groups of of supporters and activists and volunteers working for those candidates. So, you know, it's a lot different than when we had just five Democratic candidates and then five campaign staffs and five groups of supporters and so on pouring through each other's shit. So this stuff is going to come out. And I think Joe Biden's... Yeah, it's, resp- well, it's like in the, the movie The Candidate. You yeah. Know, once you step in there... You're surrounded by so much craziness, it's really hard to control the thing. And that's what sunk Hillary in 2008. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And so uh, I think Joe Biden's response to all this was okay. But what happened was uh, right on the heels of that, 
he comes out in support of the Hyde Amendment, which, yes. again, to me, the core, the, the centerpiece of the Hyde Amendment, and I kind of wish Elizabeth Warren had said this more clearly in her town hall last night, but the centerpiece of the Hyde Amendment is that it's a kind of a, a backdoor ban on abortions for anyone, mm-hmm. anyone of, of lesser means. So like low-income mm-hmm. women are unable to afford abortions uh, because there is no federal funding in terms of support for uh, uh, services along those lines, uh, certainly f- for, for that procedure. And so as a consequence, you have a lot of low-income people who are either having children because they have no other choice or because uh or, or they're using all of the underground back alley means of of having an abortion either getting drugs on the, the the black market getting drugs over the internet from overseas and so on and they're they're doing it that way so that's the, i mean the danger of the hyde amendment apart from being uh discriminatory against women generally is mm-hmm. uh is discriminatory as as a as a backdoor ban uh, literally a backdoor federal ban on abortions for, for people who can't afford that particular procedure. And so that's why it's bad. And, and Joe Biden didn't seem to get the memo on all this, or either that or he's, um, you know, in fact, Rachel Maddow said on her show last night. She's, she's trying to be in the center. Yeah, that's exactly what he's doing. And, and as, a, as a result, he's pandering to the middle. He's tiptoeing around them rather than um, remaining in touch somehow with uh, the base of the party. And the base of the party, who, who I believe are African American women, um, th- that's th- that's what African American, especially low income African American women, need the Hyde Amendment to go away in order to uh, enjoy the same rights as as the rest of the country, for God's sake, have the same reproductive rights as everybody else. Um, and of course, that's not happening if Joe Biden becomes president. He's going to defend the, the Hyde Amendment going forward. And then Rachel Maddow said on her show last night, yeah, Joe Biden didn't seem to understand that this is 2020 now. <laughs> we're, we're dealing with 2020 politics now. Yeah, and, I, and you mentioned it. I think as we get closer to the debates, more and more of that's going to really be evident and it, and and he's going to go by the wayside i think because yeah. of that that's i'm just predicting that's that's what's going to happen the, the page is turned and people will see that and i think it'll be uh, i think it'll be pretty obvious yeah yeah well i mean the thing is is i literally had a male friend of mine who's intelligent go wait aren't abortions at clinics free no no they are not nope. they cost a minimum of 250 dollars so and that's at the ch- that's at the free clinic, you know. I mean, it hasn't changed much in price over the past thirty plus years, but it still costs money. Yeah. And and so the fact that he went really, I'm like, dude, of course you wouldn't know because you're not a chick. Yeah. Well, and in you've fact, probably never taken somebody to the clinic to get it done. You know, it's like, ugh. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the problems. And you can't get them on Amazon yet either. No, so not, that's yet. Really- not yet. <laughs> no, you that's right. You can't order it in. Yeah, they you can't. They won't come to your house but yet. They so have drones out. now. There are drones. So there maybe are drones. That's true. Amazon, the next thing Jeff Bezos is going to work on are like abortion drones to come by. Speculums come heated, you know, which is nice. Oh, there's uh, another awesome. bit. Abortion drones. <laughs> abortion yeah. drones. Abortion uh, drones. Exactly. <laughs> oh, good Lord. And on that note... Yes, that's a good good time to wrap up the show, I think. When you end the show on a... news box. When you end the show with a... non-delivery. <laughs> yeah, what's the... Uh, what do you get for Amazon Prime if you sign up for Amazon Prime? It's, your abortion is free. So who needs... Two for one. Yeah. Who needs the Hyde Amendment to go away if you're going to get free abortions from Amazon Prime? Oh, exactly. my God. No day delivery. No day delivery, exactly. That's right. 
my and, God. And, and you can watch Beastmaster as many times as you want. <laughs> <laughs> so there's the bonus. All right, Mike, thank you so much for joining us today. Rocky Mountain Mike, yeah. do, you, do you have anything you want me to promote? Do you want me to say, like, your Twitter handle? What's your Twitter handle? I do not dislike Twitter? Cynthia Oxney. <laughs> Awesome this week that that fire and rain response you uh, created to that your your actual jingle for Cindy was out was fucking funny. standing. How very sweet funny. it is to be dissed by you, right? right. <laughs> of course, you can find Rocky Mountain Mike on Twitter. What's your handle, Rocky Mountain Mike? That's what it is. At, right? uh, at Rocky M N T N Mike. There you go. Perfect. Jody Hamilton, meanwhile, is at the what? Was sexy you can liberal. Think sexy liberal. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I got confused. I was going to say the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network, and then I started to say the website address and saying thesexyliberal.com. I guess you could still say that. So she can be found at thesexyliberal.com as opposed to all the fake ones. And uh, it's the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network, the From the Bunker Podcast. Uh, and you can also find that at from-the-bunker.com. Uh, and, of course, the entire lineup of Sexy Liberal Podcasts is absolutely the best listening that you will ever experience. Jody Hamilton's From the Bunker Podcast, Stephanie Miller's Happy Hour, Randy Rhodes' After Hours, Dino Bidala's I Want to Be Your Muslim Friend, Sanity with John Fugelsang, catch the latest episodes, really, really great. Final Word with Frangela, The Great Rude Pundit, Proud Resistor, so many more to come. Uh, please make sure to go to all of your favorite sexy liberal podcasts and uh, give them a five-star rating review on Apple Podcasts. It's not iTunes anymore because Apple has to do all kinds of screwy shit to screw us over. Maybe that's not a good thing to say live on the show in case anyone <laughs> from Goodbye, Apple Scruffles. is listening. Yeah, uh, suddenly the Bob Seska show disappears off of Apple Podcasts. Where's my show? <laughs> All right, thanks for listening. We got the postmortem show coming up next, bobseskashow.com if you want to subscribe. We'll see you over there, folks. Bye bye.